If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be focusing on the passage about uh, when Jesus visits Martha and Mary. Okay, so as you get there, um, I just want to share with you, a a few years ago, I was getting ready for a leadership training with our CTK church um, over in Mount Vernon, Um, had the opportunity to to uh, teach about 100 plus leaders. I was really excited, you know, I was the, I was the young guy, right? So they usually don't let him out of the gate because he thinks he knows everything. So you can't, you can't give him everything all at once, right? So, but I had this opportunity to teach all of our leaders of every ministry team. And I was so convinced that I had what they needed to hear Right, And so I had this plan in place. It was perfectly noted. It was perfectly put together. I was going to highlight things like, here's what our core values of Christ the King are. Here's what you need to remember. I was going to share my theological and doctrinal ability as a, as a young pastor. I was thinking, man, I'll share some of this. We can, we can do some theology work together. It'll be really good. Um, I, I thought, man, I'll give biblical context for ministry leaders. I'll, I'll do really good at contextualization. And then I'll give them some application that would really encourage and equip them, right? This just sounds terrible already, right? So this was my plan. I'm, I'm really planning this, you know, after church on Sunday. It was, a, it was an evening thing on a Sunday. And I had this whole plan, and I did not feel confident about it at all. But I was so determined. I had it in my mind what this time was going to look like from walking on stage to walking off stage. And in that whole day between the end of service to the beginning of the time, about an hour before the beginning of the training, I just wasn't confident about it. And in fact, I was also kind of cranky. I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to it. I felt like it wasn't going to go well. And uh, I mean, I was cranky and impatient with my wife, Shauna, and over just dumb stuff. I mean, if we were going to get a coffee and I'm like, you know, like, why, do, come on, don't you know what you want? Like, we're in the drive-thru, like, figure this out. Come on, let's go. And, and I'm cranky about things that don't really matter, right? So my focus was so much more on how well I was going to do. I had a view of how things needed to go. And then I just sat down about an hour before and, and put my notes aside. They were digital, so I didn't crumple them, but just literally put them aside and said, I'm done, I'm not gonna use them, and just opened up to the word and started reading Luke. And God really just revealed to me Luke 10. And the part that I realized where I totally connected with Mary was that I was distracted with much. I was so determined for what I was going to do, how things needed to be, how, how these leaders were just going to learn such great things, and, and the biggest thing was it came out of my biggest learning. And so what I shared that night was more what God was bringing me through and what I was learning as a leader. Not here's what you need to know, but here's what I need to know and what we all can apply together. And so as we read on Luke 10, I just kind of, I really relate to this story. And, and here's the thing that I think is a tendency when we open up this passage in Luke 10 is that Martha tends to get a really bad rap. I don't know if you've ever heard pastors talk about Luke 10 in this passage where, you know, Martha opens up her home and she does everything wrong, right? That's kind of the focus. But here's the deal. That's not the case. Martha's not a bad person. She was a really bold woman who lost focus in this moment. She thought what was most important was keeping her home together, preparing the meal, right? But Jesus had a different focus. And we see this this interaction between Jesus, Martha, and Mary a couple times. In John chapter 11, we see when Lazarus, their brother, dies, 
there's interaction between Martha, Mary, and Jesus. And Martha's that bold one. I mean, she, she looks at Jesus and says, why weren't you here? If you weren't here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, that's, that's bold. You're telling the son of God, like, listen, here's what your schedule should have looked like. That's pretty bold, okay? Right? And sometimes we don't even have the boldness to do that with our own family. But, but she's telling the son of God, listen, here's what your schedule should look like. And then you see Mary, who, you know, just a, a chapter later, she's the one who anoints Jesus' feet with perfume in chapter 12 of John. And so you see this interaction with these women with Jesus, and it was in this moment where Mary just kind of loses focus, or Martha. Martha just kind of loses her focus. And so we pick up in verse 38, and we'll read through 42, where we just see this interaction as she's in inviting Jesus and his disciples into the home. So verse 38 says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Whose house is it? Martha's house. Okay, remember that. And in verse 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help. So now she's not just bringing to Jesus' attention what's wrong. She's now again telling him what he needs to do, right? I mean, Peter doesn't even get that he's the guy who needs to die to be resurrected. And Martha's the one, you know, like telling him, here's what you need to do, right? And I mean, you can imagine the face on the, on the apostles like, man, can you believe she's saying that? You know, and, and there's just like this interaction, but she's bold. But remember, she's losing focus. And then the Lord answers her. It says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. She has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So this morning, as we dive into our text, I think there's, there's three things that we can learn from, from both of these sisters, three things from Martha and three things from Mary. But before we do, because each one of us are very different, I want you to really kind of think about this for a minute. Which one are you? If you were to relate with with Martha or Mary, which one would you relate more with? And here's, I'll give you some examples. Martha is more someone who is active. Mary was more contemplative. Martha was more about work. Mary was more about word. Martha was more about do Mary was more about B. Martha was definitely type A. Mary's definitely type B. Martha was more about presence to presence for God, and Mary was more about presence of God. Martha was about responsibility. Mary was about relationship. Martha was about a full schedule, and Mary was about a full heart. So as we dive in and look at some things that we can learn from these gals this morning, learn from this time that they spent with Jesus, I just want you to maybe circle some things. And, and maybe for you, you're not going, you know, I, I just relate to one side or, or this side. Maybe, maybe there's some things in there you're like, man, I'm more that. But I think as we go to apply this text, what would really help us all is understanding where am I coming from? Am I coming from a Martha approach or am I coming from a, a Mary approach? 
Because that's where we really begin to understand the application is seeing where am I coming from and where does this text reveal what I can learn? And so we're gonna begin with just looking at three things that we can learn from Martha in this passage. Remember, Martha's not a bad gal, right? We're not, we're not dogging on her, but we're just looking at this situation and we're going, okay, what are some things that we can learn from this situation? And the first thing we can learn from Martha is that Martha was distracted. I mean, obviously. Where was she? Think about it, in the house. If, if there was a defined space where she's working and preparing a meal, where is she? The kitchen, now, in our, in, in our apartment that we're in right now in Mount Vernon, our kitchen is very cut off from the living room. And whenever we've had people over, one of the things that we've realized is if you're in the kitchen, you're disconnected from the relationship, right? And that's no fun. And so Martha was in the kitchen. And here's the funny thing. In the beginning of our, in the beginning of our marriage for Sean and I, and I have permission to share this story, okay? So don't think I'm dogging on my wife. But in the beginning of our marriage, I would come home from time with students in our ministry or college students, uh, tired and just wanting to be with my wife. And she was more focused, she was really distracted on things that she, think, she thought she needed to do to fulfill her wifely duties, right? So I come home, I'm like, man, I'm just so excited to be with you, to, to hang out with you. And she's thinking, in her, that's in my mind, in her mind is, I've got to fold the laundry. I've got to make sure the bed is there. I've got to have a meal on the table. And these are all things that she's focused on. And I'm going, where's my wife? I want her to be by my side. And I'm going, I don't care if there's a messy bedroom. I don't care if we do Taco Bell and sit together. Like, I'm okay with that in this moment. And so my response was, I just want to be with you. And here's the thing. I think we get distracted by what we think Jesus wants from us in such a way that, that we miss out on the fact that Jesus just wants us. We get so busy in this mentality that we think Jesus is gonna want this thing and this from me and, and oh man, I'm not doing good on my devotional time so we get distracted trying to perfect that when all along it's just that Jesus wants us. So think about that. What distracts you? What distracts you? And let me give you some, some, uh, something that I think will help you. Where, wherever is a place of chaos and distraction, don't go there for your time with Jesus. If you are someone who is easily distracted by, by noises, loud music, babies crying, do not go to Starbucks for time with Jesus, right? Right? So what distracts you? What distracts you? We, we see that for, for Martha, it was her performance, right? It was more about performance than the presence of God. And then the second thing we see from Martha is that she was discouraged, right? She's incredibly discouraged. And often what discourages us also distracts us from what matters most. And here's what I mean. What, what discourages us also distracts us from what matters most. When I was a part of uh, the college ministry in Mount Vernon, downtown, we were meeting in that old granary building, if you know what that building is. We just got our socks blessed right off just with this space that we got to be in. Still a little bit of setup, tear down, but we got this space to really call our own. And I remember, because I don't know why, but you know, in the 21st century, every church needs a pallet wall. You know, I don't know why, but you put up pallets and that's like the cool thing, you know, for a stage design. And so we were all excited. We put up this pallet wall and we're, you know, we did our first week of ministry. Oh, so good. God is good. He's moving and, and all that pallet wall is 
awesome. I don't know how that fits in with God doing good things, but, but we were just super excited. And then the next morning I get a call from the owner of the building and say, hey, you gotta take it down. It's super ugly. And I mean, this is a very honest man. So those are literally his words. It's super ugly. And I was discouraged. I was incredibly discouraged. And in that discouragement, I, I played lazy for a couple days, not wanting to take it down. I mean, like I, I was so incredibly bummed that, that from that discouragement, it just began to fester. And I began to be distracted from what mattered most. So over those next couple days, I was more focused on the really cool wall I had built with buddies than actually caring about where those buddies are at with Jesus. I cared so much more about the, the perfection, the, the performance of that space than, than actually being in the presence of, of God with those guys. And so I, I honestly believe that, that, that often what discourages us also distracts us from what matters most. And so what I learned from that is, is that we just need to share that with Jesus and we need to move forward. And, and for you, that doesn't mean like one prayer and you're done, but, but be continually bringing that to Jesus. What is discouraging you that is distracting you? Bring it to Jesus. Be with Jesus in that and continue to move forward. Because Martha's discouragement, in in a way, we see that her question is posed out of her discouragement, right? And so when she says in verse 40, Lord, do you not care? Because of her discouragement, her response is doubting that Jesus cares. She's so focused on her discouragement, on her distraction, that she's going, man, Lord, don't you even care? Do you even care what I'm trying to do here, what I'm trying to, trying to go for? And so she was distracted from what mattered most. And we, we see that from Martha, that, that discouragement trickled into her decision-making as she approaches Jesus with that, that doubting his trust, doubting his approach, and doubting his care. And so we see that Martha was discouraged. And then we see that Martha was disappointed, right? Because anytime you're hoping for a response from a leader that you do not get, you're going to be disappointed. And so we look, as we, as we looked at Luke 10, that, G, that Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, invites Jesus and his disciples into her home. She's plain host, and she's doing this alone. And so her, her disappointment just begins to build as she realizes, wait, Jesus isn't focused on what I'm focused on. Jesus isn't caring about the food. He's caring about the relationship. And she was disappointed by that because she wanted a specific reaction. She wanted a specific outcome. I mean, how many times have we done that? We're hoping for this specific outcome. I mean, have you ever given someone a gift and they're like, oh, that's so cool, thank you. And they just like put it down and you're like, that's amazing. I just like gave that to you, right? I have a friend like that. And, and I mean like gift giving, I love giving gifts and I love seeing people so excited. And I remember someone just going, hey, thanks so much and putting it on the desk and going, what is wrong with you? Because it was more about me, right? It wasn't about what I could do for that person. It was about what I was giving to that person. And I was disappointed because, and here's the thing that we see is that Jesus wasn't focused on what she was focused on. She was disappointed because he was focusing on something else. And he lovingly rebuked Martha so that she could refocus. Remember that. He's not just giving a suggestion. He's, he's instructing her to refocus. He's saying, I, I acknowledge your disappointment. Here's what matters most. My focus is not your focus in this, but your focus needs to change. 
Your focus needs to change because what we focus on isn't always what Jesus is focused on, right? What we view as the most important thing isn't always what Jesus views as the most important thing. Because often what we view as important, not always, but often is really tied with our discouragement and our stress. And so when we're focusing on, okay, here's what I've got to get done. Here's what needs to happen. It's more about where we're discouraged and where we're stressed than when we're actually focusing on Jesus. And I think it's no coincidence that the chapter after this story follows up with the Lord's Prayer. That we see in in one of Jesus' core messages that he taught his disciples in Luke uh, chapter 11. He says this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And in Matthew 6.10 where it cites the Lord's Prayer, it ends also with saying, your will be done. So, so whose name is to, be, is to be lifted up? God's name. So whose kingdom come? God's kingdom come. Whose will be done? God's will be done. Isn't that such a shift of focus? I mean, even in the midst of disappointment and discouragement, that Jesus is calling Martha out and then, and then showing the disciples, listen, your focus in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of stress, is to be on me, on Jesus. And so that means we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our hope on his holiness and we fix our will, our plan on his plan. And so even in the midst of discouragement, even in the midst of distraction, that we would shift our focus away from what we want most, what we need most, to what he desires of us, right? And so those are some things that we learn from Martha. And then we, then we look at Mary and, some, and a couple things that we learn from Mary. The first one is that Mary was disconnected. Now, I know that sounds like a really weird term, you know, and, and especially in today's culture, you think of disconnected, that's more of a weird term. But if you think about it, Mary wasn't concerned about anything else. I mean, if you and I are not daily disconnecting from the, the fast-paced style of the world to connect with Jesus, then there's a gap in our walk. I'm not saying there, there's, there's great things wrong with your, your walk and you need to really sit down with someone and re-examine it, but I believe that there's a gap in your walk. If, if you are not daily sitting down, and, and here's what, I mean, just a pastoral confession moment. This is not something I think that you need to work on and, and I'm gonna teach you in that. This is something that we walk through because I'm, I'm not perfect at that. I'm not great at that. There are days where I, I miss that daily connection with Jesus. And here's what I realize. A couple days, I notice it. A couple weeks, my wife notices it. And a month, you notice it. And so that daily connection that we have with Jesus is absolutely critical is absolutely critical. And, but here's the thing. Here's what I understand. Disconnecting is hard, right? I mean, for us to do it even within our schedule, let alone, is difficult. But then you add today's technology ability. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Shauna and I were on our way up to Bellingham yesterday to run some errands. And on the way up, I'm talking to her and she makes a suggestion about a passage in the word and my phone is sitting in the console sharing the cellular service and I'm on my laptop getting Wi-Fi access, looking up the verse and checking out Facebook. 
right? So disconnecting is difficult, and we have like so many resources, right? This, this seems ridiculous, right? It just continues to get more and more out of hand where, where we're this, this group of people in today's culture that seem like the most connected and we're the most disconnected in the wrong ways. We're relationally disconnected, but not in the way that Jesus calls us to be. And so here's what I think is really important as we look to disconnect is that intentional followers of Jesus seek Jesus with intention. Intentional followers of Jesus seek Jesus with intention. So being disconnected is more about the posture of your heart than the position of your practice. It's more about the posture of your heart. Disconnected doesn't mean that you're going, God forbid I, I you know, like have anything going on today. And, and in this time, I've just got to keep it open. So in that car time, you know, I could be praying constantly. I got to keep that shower time open and, and be, you know, praying there, you know, bathroom time, that becomes prayer time, you know. But, but it's more about the posture of your heart, actually positioning yourself before God, positioning yourself before him that you would have constant relationship with him. And so we see that Mary was disconnected. And the second thing we see from Mary is that she was devoted. She was devoted. And what you desire most always comes first. Kind of talked about this last week. What you desire most always comes first. Remember, this wasn't Mary's only interaction. She was devoted to relationship with Jesus. I mean, she's the gal, remember, who washed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. She's the one who's devoted. And someone who's devoted to Christ is someone growing in Christ. I think that's what we see from Mary. As she's devoted to Christ, she's someone who is growing in Christ. That, Jesus, that, that Mary didn't just offer him perfume, but she also sat at his feet to receive instruction and learn from him as a fully devoted disciple. That's the thing that's really interesting. If you really look back in that text of Luke 10 and you see that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, being at the Lord's feet showed that she wanted to be in submission to him, that she wanted to learn from him and be a fully devoted disciple. And so we see that Mary was devoted. And as we see that she was devoted we see that Mary was demasked. I know that may seem like a weird word and you English majors are already marking notes on my notes, but she was demasked. And this wasn't something I planned to, to add as something uh, to talk about Mary, but I think it's really important for us to understand that as she was constantly at the Lord's feet, I mean, I think I've driven that point home enough for you, that her heart was exposed before Jesus. She had no mask she had no agenda. And I think there are times where we go before Jesus and we've got a mask on. Like we've got to keep something from God that, that, that Lord forbid he knows what's really going on in our heart. And it's that struggle of surrender that as we see Mary was demasked, that it begins with surrender. And here's the interesting thing. We talk about surrender often in the church. Not, not a lot, but often but here's what I think we forget is that surrender is a term that's actually a battle term, right? So surrender implies that, that it means giving up all rights to the conquer. 
It means giving up completely of yourself and surrendering to the authority of another. And here's what's so beautiful. Paul writes this to the Galatians that I think clarifies this term of surrender for you and I as we be at the Lord's feet in surrender. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer me. It's no longer about my agenda. It's no longer about what I think is most important. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Not I, but Christ in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, how incredible that that Jesus would be so sacrificial to then call us to sacrifice. And so I think one of the incredible things we learn from Mary is to be demasked. And I think there are times where we walk, whether into our time here together or our time with God, and we've got some masks on. Some things that, that we feel that if we were to be fully exposed that someone is gonna reject us. Someone isn't gonna love us. And what we learn from Mary is that she is exposed before before Jesus and her heart is open that she would be set apart. So she's at the Lord's feet, demasked. That she has no agenda and she has nothing hiding from Jesus. And so in this, as we close this morning, what I think is really important for us to remember is that we need to be striving for a Mary focus because we're in a Martha world. We need to be striving for this focus because we're constantly losing ours, of which should be Jesus's focus. But remember, as we close, it's all about surrender. That's what it's gonna take. It means surrendering our own agendas. It means surrendering our pride our schedules and our time and even our resources. And maybe for you, it means surrendering that mask that you hold on so tightly to. Holding on to that of which you think if you were to let go of, you would be absolutely exposed and everyone would know the truth. But here's the truth, is that Jesus knows you without your mask and he loves you. He knows you without that. He knows your failures. He knows your fears. He knew Martha's reaction and he lovingly responded to her. And so this morning, I just want you to just forget all the details. If you forget everything I said this morning, that's okay. Just forget the distractions, forget the the rules and the methods and everything that you think that you may need to do and really ask yourself this question in light of surrender, in light of just laying down that mask. Am I putting Christ first in my life? Am I putting Christ first in my life? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this church. Lord, and for clarity's sake, I don't mean the building. 
I don't mean the program, I mean the people. Father, thank you for this body of believers that are gathered here this morning. Father, you love them far greater than I ever can. You love them before, before they were even born. The Father, that just shows us that before our time began, you already loved us. You already decided to have us be set apart for you. So Father, this morning I pray that we would just choose to put you first. That Father, we would not be so quick to move on to the next thing. Father, even as we go into a time of worship and then that 10 minute slot of just kind of spending time together. Father, I pray that we would have discussions about this. That we would pray with one another about this. Father, would you rid us of our masks? That you would fill us with your presence. So Father, we just thank you and we praise you. And in your name we pray.